Well, good morning. We are glad you're here. We are starting a brand new series called Scammed. And uh, if you have a cell phone or email or whatever, I can almost guarantee you, you've gotten um, a email or a voicemail or something from someone who's claiming to be someone to help you, but in fact is there for someone to hurt you. And so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is talking about um, how to recognize the lies that we're told and, more importantly, the lives we tell ourselves and how to expose those and then how to incorporate the truth that we find in the Word of God. So, um, my first scam that happened to me, I was 11 years old and we were moving from New Jersey to California and we were in probably Arizona, Texas or whatever and my dad, so we had the, the family car, we just had one car, uh, Oldsmobile Omega, and we had the U-Haul truck that had everything, our whole lives, possessions in it, and we we're moving across the country. And the cool thing about this trip was that we, each car had a CB. Now for those of you um, who are younger, yeah, it's just like, FaceTime only without the face, but you're just like going, you know, you're just talking back and forth over the radio essentially. So for an 11 year old, which is how old I was, like to talk on a CB was the coolest thing in the world. And what they, what you would do is you'd create a handle. Your handle was kind of your hashtag or your at, okay? So, um, so I was a Skywalker because Star Wars had just come out. And, um, and so, uh, like, I thought Luke Skywalker was amazing because I was 11. My dad was the blue knight because it was a blue Oldsmobile Omega. Uh, my brother was the godfather because he was a brooding 18-year-old. And my, my sister, I think, was evergreen or something like that. I don't know. Anyway. But you'd get on the, get on the phone, and you'd, or not phone, but the thing, and you'd, I'd be like, Skywalker, you know, you know, looking for Blue Knight. And my dad was so cool. He'd like play into the whole thing. What's your 20, 10, 4, like all the things that make an 11-year-old feel like, like with a CB, you're in control of the world. And so there was this trading post up ahead. And they called it like an Indian trading post, like it was this authentic Native American trading post. Of course, it, 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 it wasn't. Uh, and it was called like Howling Wolf trading post. And so we get in there and uh, of course, nobody in there is Native American, like actual Native American. <laughs> and so we get in and there's this bucket and it says gifts, $5. And then underneath it says, each gift is at least $5, some may be $100. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's called a win-win. Like, you can't lose that. You pay $5, you get a gift worth $5 or a gift worth $100. So I had a little box that I had saved up my money for our trip, for our move out to California, and I paid my $5. Well, no, I had the $5 and the gift, which was not really a gift. And my dad says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, 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 
I'm going to try and get $100. He said, yeah, I, w I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, Dad, did you read the sign? Because it's a no, you can't lose. And he said, I wouldn't do that. So I pay for it. And Howling Wolf across the thing says to me, uh, don't open it until you're a mile away. And I'm thinking, this is like tribal wisdom. Like, I'm learning something now. Like, I'm, I'm part of it. Um, and so I, I take his advice and I wait a mile. And then I hear over the CB, Skywalker, this is Blue Knight. I'm like, yeah, Blue Knight. Did you open the box? Radio silence. Yes. What was in it? Nothing. <laughs> and so I got scammed. Now, to their defense, that was probably the most, that was probably the greatest lesson I could ever be told because I haven't been scammed since. So it's like I learned a big lesson. But that's what we're going to be talking about. Like how do you not try to shortcut a process? How do you uh, recognize when something is maybe too good to be true? And when do you recognize when our culture or insecurity is telling us something that isn't going to help us in the future? So this morning, what I want to talk about is the idea, um, the, the scam of you need to be er. You need to be er. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all until you start reading some of the words that you would be. Uh, thinner. You need to be thinner. You need to be richer. You need to be smarter. You need to be funnier. You need to be fitter. Or, basically, you pick any area of your life the scam is you really should be better. You need to be better. And so we ask ourselves this question, like where does that come from? Like how do you know if you should be better or thinner or smarter, funnier or fitter? Like how do you know that? Uh, well, the, the problem is th those words don't, really come from your heavenly father they come from the idea of comparison i wouldn't know if i needed to be thinner unless i saw someone thinner i wouldn't know if i should be richer because unless i've met someone richer the problem with her and we'll talk about this a little bit more is there's no end so i wrote this kind of dumb thing down er rarely says enough <laughs> like like you made it enough you got to the place where you wanted to be you've arrived because especially in america especially in a first world country wherever you are you have access to everyone who's er and you also have access to everyone who's est the richest the fittest the smart test. And so that's where we are. This idea of comparison, of looking at ourselves and being devalued because there's someone 
Er. And so we want to be Er. Uh, there's a theologian. Um, he does mostly uh, videos. He doesn't really write much. Um, and so to get some of his writings, you have to get something he said and then write it down as a quote. Um, but, but a theologian that I found this week that I thought uh, really had a great way to unpack the Bible was a theologian named uh, Jim Carey. And here's what he says. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dream so they can see that it's not the answer. That is the Dr. Reverend James Alkaloid Carey. I don't even know if that's his middle name. Probably not. But this is his point. Now, you and I would say, well, yeah, because you're rich and famous. Well, that's why you listen to him, because he's rich and famous. And what he's telling us is that er doesn't work. You, 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 just to get smarter, thinner, richer, better, it doesn't fulfill anything. And your heavenly Father is not asking you to do that. So, we're going to look at some scripture that was written by Est, the smartest person, the wisest person that's ever graced uh, the, the, the globe. Uh, his name is King Solomon. He was King David's son. And what had happened was he, God basically was like a genie to him, said, what do you want? Name one thing, Okay. Uh, you want to be rich, richest, you know, um, you know, coolest, whatever. What is it? And the way Solomon answered was he said, I want to be wise. And then what he said was really near and dear to God's heart. To lead this great people of yours. And so what God said was, okay, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'm going to make you wisest. And then I'll add a whole bunch of other S's to it. So your richest, your all those things. And so uh, Solomon writes this, this book um, called Ecclesiastes, and essentially it's just like a series of tweets. Like it's just like every day you could wake up and just have like whatever the newest tweet, tweet was from Solomon. And he, he wrote some other stuff as well. But this and, um, uh, kind of narrows a bunch of things down to where, if you've been on the planet long enough, some of them are just like, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, Ecclesiastes could be called, well, yeah. I mean, that's just what happens. So here's what he says. And a lot of his language says, I, I noticed something and it was weird or I came to a conclusion. And so he says, I looked out and I saw that all toil and all achievement. So all er, er, you want to toil and get richer, you want to toil and get thinner, you want achievement, you, you want to get smarter, you want to get better, all toil and achievement spring from a person's envy of another. You saw something in someone else and you wanted that. 
Maybe it's to be a better musician. Maybe it's to be, uh, you know, have a nicer car or whatever. You wouldn't have known about that unless you had had knowledge of another person's toil and achievement. I'll tell you one place this showed up with me. Uh, last summer, I went to Africa, to Kenya, and I had the um, pleasure of meeting t- uh, two kids that we sponsor and, uh, and, and, and to meet them and to see. And it was just like every other older white person's thing, like, oh my gosh, they're so happy. They're so, you know, like all, all the things that we have from being in a wealthy community and then, you know, going to visit someone else. But I was really cognizant of why. Like, uh, you know, okay, so I can go to a place that I don't normally go to and go, oh, everybody's happy, but, but why? And one of the things I noticed about this whole orphanage that they're in, they just don't compare. They, they, they don't compare with each other. They, they have um, parents that kind of adopt 12 of them and are in these buildings and everything's just, there's no err. There's no err there. They don't think if oh, only I was smarter, richer, wh- whatever. Um, and this was just not in that orphanage. I was with this one dude, whom, uh, and his, these are his kids. And uh, his family makes birds, these, these wooden birds that they, they carve and then paint. And there's just no sense of, like, we have to sell more to make more. It's just, this is what we do there's no comparison there's no err they're not sitting around going how can i get fitter how can i get it's just this is this is the community they're in but that these things spring from one person's envy of another and i wonder if we've been scammed i can only speak for america because that's where we live into thinking that you can err yourself into contentment. I'll I'll give you an example. Um, When I graduated from college, so I went to college to to major in theology, and that was a disaster, and I was not doing very well at all. And it turns out I'm probably still not, but I, I was majoring in theology. I wasn't doing well in all those classes, so I switched to business, which I loved and was awesome. And when I got out of college, I made $24,000 a year. And I would do the finances for our family like on a literal piece of paper. So I know that for a lot of you, this is just like, why would you write on a piece of paper? I know it was back in the Stone Age. So I'd, I'd write it all, debit on the left, credit on the right, all this kind of stuff. And, um, and so I realized, I made $24,000 a year, but I realized if I made $27,000 a year, I'd, I, it was gold, I was golden. I was like, that's all I, I just needed 27,000. So uh, Lisa was starting into teaching and I'm like, I just worked it all out. If I could just make 20, not 24, $27,000 a year, everything would be good. I'd have every, we'd have everything we needed. Um, we'd, we'd be awesome. And so, uh, so after a couple months, I, I got a raise and the raise wasn't 27. The raise was $28,000. So if you do the math, it's like um, 
it's like a thousand dollars more than what you thought it was gonna be so uh, so I had a thousand dollars extra like what I mean wh whatever but here's the problem $28,000 opened my eyes to the fact that I really needed 33000 Because once I had 28000 well, then I could start doing some things that I really found out I like to do, and 33000 would be perfect. And so uh, time went on, and uh, that was my thing, and I got a raise, and I made $33,000 a year, like, which is... And so I'm like, man, 40 would just be, you might as well just have a ranch that like raises unicorns. Like 40 should be just like the only thing anyone would ever need. And then I made 40, and you can kind of see how this goes along. It springs from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. And he goes on. A chasing after the wind. So one of my questions for this morning is, what are you chasing? What is your er? What are you... Because the problem with er, and here's a big problem with er, oftentimes we don't just apply it to ourselves. We just say, if only my spouse would be er. I just, if they could... If they could just be a little bit er, smarter, um, kinder, that's fair enough. They could just be better. If only my spouse could be better. If only my friend could be better. And here's the other thing. And again, I can only talk about this because it's in my context and I have kids. So for those of you who are single, you'll have your own example. But we crush our kids with this. We want our kids to be, because part of the problem with parenting, one of the downsides is the um, possibility that you get your value based on how your kids act or do or who they are. And so if your kid would just be a little bit err, here's the third problem with err. It's arbitrary. So I want my spouse to be richer than this spouse, smarter than this spouse, funnier than this spouse, kinder than this spouse. Like we normally don't even pick one person. We just go, I'm just gonna pick arbitrary errs and I'm gonna throw them on your back. Jesus talked to the Pharisees about this. He says, you, you lay heavy loads on people and you don't lift a finger to help them. That's what Ur does. It just says, this is who you should be because I've seen other people do that. And that richer spouse might be the worst person in the world. But you just want to extract that Ur. So that's the problem. It's chasing after wind. It's a scam. It's a scam. So you say, well, John... So what do I do? Do I just like sit back and just like go, cool, I don't have to work on anything. I'm good. I don't need to be er. I don't need to work on myself. Well, his, the next day's tweet says this. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. 
So Solomon isn't saying you just don't try. What he's saying is your identity does not gain more value based on error. You certainly don't just sit back and just like, you know, let everyone else do everything. That's not what he's saying. And so then what he does is he takes it and he unwraps it and he puts it into, two ten into the tension. Well, do I fold my hands or do I try to be err in every part of my life until I just err myself out of my life? Hmm. Well, next verse. One hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. In other words, there's a tension to be managed of err. Do I want to be smarter? Yes. But do I want to get my identity out of how smart I am? No, that's too, that's too fisted. Do I want to make more money? Of course I do. I want to bless people. I want to give. I want to spend money. I want to go out to dinner. I get all that. But man, do I want to like get to a place where it's like, I, unless I have this much money, I don't even know. One hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. So he then goes on, he says this. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. This is Thursday's tweet. He's just mentioning he saw something, right? There was a man all alone, he had no son or brother. So we might think in terms of like, oh, he was single or whatever. But in this particular, where Solomon was writing, this would have been a big deal. A community, especially family, um, it would be a big deal to, to amass, you know, to have crops and land and to just pass them off. Oftentimes the families all lived in the same plot and so to make sure that the next generation had that plot and the next generation and the next generation was a really big deal in that community. In our particular case, we typically amass wealth uh, for ourselves and then maybe we'll pass it on to our kids who will waste it. Anyway, so, um, so here's what he says. He has, there was a man all alone. He had no son or brother. There was no end to his toil. In other words, and maybe you're better than me, but I've thought sometimes like if it were just me, if it was just me, I'd probably work less. I wouldn't worry about the kids. I wouldn't have to worry about, I'd probably live in a small place. I'd, I'd probably, it'd be simple. It'd be clean. I'd get rid of half my stuff. Like, I'm not interested. Um, and so this is kind of where I think I'd get. And here's what Solomon says. Nah, bro, you wouldn't get there. There's no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And if I look at my own life and I think of Ur and I think, well, if I just get this much more, historically in my life, this much more never got me to where I wanted to be. I never arrived. I never got there. And he asked this question, for whom am I toiling? He asked. Then he asked this really important question. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? One of the things I really appreciate about the next generation, why I like being around them, 
is they kind of get this, I think, better than, than my generation. Uh, where it's like being present is important to maybe give up some other things in order to enjoy the people you're around, enjoy the moment, enjoy the present. He says, why am I depriving myself of that? Why am I going for err? Why am I just constantly, there's just no, there's no finish line. It just keeps going and it's a scam. He says, this too is meaningless. And in case you don't know what meaningless is, he goes on and he says, a miserable business. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. So, uh, we'll, we'll switch from Solomon real quick and we'll go into Paul who had the same idea. Um, but before we do that, um, one of, in John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is talking about this idea of just abiding, of being present. There is no err. You've already received everything you need for life and godliness. You're like in it. And so I just had this statement I wanted to leave you with before we get into that. You aren't called to arrive you're called to abide. See, if you believe that God has an err for you that he's waiting for you to get to, and I know you can push back and you can say, well, hey, John, don't try to out-spiritualize the pastor. It won't work. But if you say, hey, John, what about holy err? Mm, you got me. Except is that really what your heavenly father is saying? Like, I... You can't abide until you're holier, until you've gotten to some place. That's, that's not our Heavenly Father. Does he want you to be holier? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Should I be thinner? Probably. Um, could, you know, could I be, you know, should I be funnier? Not possible. Um, so, so he's called you to arrive. He's called you to abide, to be with him, to take your err, the insecurity of God. I just wish I, were, I wish I was richer and to have him have this conversation with you. Why? What, what do you, what is that? Why? Tell me about you. I wish I were thinner. Why? Like because of how people see you, how I see you. Like what? He wants you to abide, not arrive. We're never going to get to the end of Ur. And, and, and part of the problem is there's an entire industry of people being paid millions of dollars to make you think, if only I could be Ur. And then they get paid and you spend money and that's just the way it goes. You weren't called to arrive. You weren't called to make a certain amount of money and then, ah, it's Ah, I'm with Jesus. What's my next step? So I'll show you real quick. Um, just Paul, we've talked about this section of scripture before, but he was thanking them for a gift. And he says, I, I'm not thanking you because I'm in need. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So, so content whatever that is so difficult. 
Content, whatever. Content, I lost my job. Content, uh, we were in a pandemic and I found an affinity for uh, peanut butter filled pretzels. God, those things, they should be outlawed, right? So you've got this thing, like whatever the circumstances. <laughs> God, when you do this by yourself, it's just awesome. Uh, but here's what he says. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to, to have plenty. Listen to this. I, I have learned. I have learned. This is a process. Just as er is a process. Oh, I got the raise. Oh, man, I, that wasn't enough. I got another raise. It's not enough. Learning the secret of being content in any and every situation. Any, every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I've learned this secret. The fact that it's learning a secret to me means that you gotta be abiding in Jesus to go, God, what, why is this? Why am I not satisfied? Why am I not content? Why am I not in a state of, of, um, of just calm and, and peace? Well, here's what he says. And this is the, kind of the point of the whole sermon. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I'm, I'm, called, I'm not called to arrive, I'm called to abide. As the worship band comes back up, um, and honestly, guys, like I told you earlier, you just, you did such a great job this morning. It was awesome. Uh, thank you, and thank you, Maya, for leading too. Um, you know, we're gonna go through one final song, and um, you know, maybe you have some questions you wanna ask God during this time. Like, God, is there, a, is, there a, is there a place in my life where I'm so worried about Ur that I'm missing you? I, I, that, that I'm so focused on arriving that I miss the whole idea of abiding. And maybe during this time, God will t tell you about that and go, yeah, you know what? You're, you're working so hard to retire. It... it Retirement isn't going to look as great as if you're just kind of focusing in on me. I'll give you a vision for retirement. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your body or your whatever. I don't know. However you want to be better. Um, maybe your heavenly father would want to speak to you during this time in that. So Lord Jesus, we... Um, Thank you that you, you grab us no matter where we're at. You get us right where we are. Whatever our mind is like, our body's like, our bank account's like, our friends are like, where our level of power is like, and you say, um, let's go. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And, uh, Lord, as we... Just focus on you. We prayed we'd hear your voice in Jesus' name.
So now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his patience, in his strength, in his joy, and in his acceptance. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you.